So let's do this. What did you have for breakfast this morning? What did I have? Oh, I had an apple with peanut butter. Oh, I like yeah. that. This is my standard sound check question now, but I've also realized it's opening up my breakfast options. <laughs> that's true. Hey, that's good. Tim Ferriss, I think, asks, asks people that question too. I've heard him ask people about Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human. This is a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. These are conversations with people from all walks of life, exploring their journeys and what makes them who they are. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Annie Clements. Uh, she's a wife, a daughter, a soon-to-be mother, super exciting, and a touring bassist and vocalist on oh so many various concert tours with various acts, uh, including Sugarland, one of my favorites, uh, and Marin Morris, another favorite. Um, and, you know, Annie, I'm not sure. I've seen Sugarland play a couple times. I know your tour with them was uh, a few years ago at this point. I'm not sure if I uh, saw you know, an actual concert that you were touring with them in. But I do recall, I stumbled upon, you guys played Soundstage. So I'm here in Chicago. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. I think that it was 2011. Was like a, oh, was it that recently? Okay. Well, we did I, I didn't see one. the actual show. I just caught the video and I used to watch it on YouTube. Um, yeah. Just, it was an amazing set. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I toured with Sugarland from 2006 until 2012. So basically the back half of their first album through the subsequent three albums up through Incredible Machine. And then Jennifer got pregnant and the band came off the road the end of 2012. And then... Um, I did both of Jennifer and Christian's solo tours, different stints on their oh, I solo didn't know that. tours. Yeah. And nice. then um and I toured with Amos Lee all the while in between that and Holly Williams and some other folks. And then uh in twenty sixteen I signed on with Marin and then Sugarland got to backed together <laughs> promptly <laughs> as soon as I'd committed. Uh but it, the Marin gig has just been wonderful for me, but the whole original band is back together in Sugarland, including my husband, uh, who's back out on tour with them. Well, you know, whenever whenever touring happens again. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I feel very fortunate to um, to have been able to tour with them for so many years, and and now to get to tour with someone like Marin, she's just been incredibly wonderful. I have to ask, especially as a huge music fan and someone that just loves that kind of thing. Touring with a band like Sugarland or any band that you're really into seems like the dream, right? You're yeah. <laughs> playing the music every night. I mean, you're in the zone. I have to believe there's parts of it that weren't dreamy. Is that is it pure dream oh, or is yeah. there something in there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's just like any any job, any situation, you're going to have... Um, you know, parts of it that are hard. I mean, especially just the nature of touring is missing my family, you know, and missing, um, I mean, I know that's not necessarily related to the work of, you know, that being on stage, doing all that stuff. All that's great. Uh, but when you are a touring musician, no matter what level you're at, you know, you're going to miss weddings and funerals and special moments with your family you just don't you don't get to take that time off so now we're we're living in a very interesting uh time period where that is kind of the the blessing for me in a lot of ways you know i uh marin announced that she was pregnant back in i guess it was last august and I went to her and we had a very, you know, candid conversation. And I said, would it be okay if I <laughs> tried to get pregnant and we'd be pregnant around the same time and yada, yada, yada. And she was incredibly, wonderfully supportive and said, yes, of course, and had set everything up for me going into 2020 to have a, a tour bus where I would have a bedroom in the back for the baby. And, oh my you know, gosh. we had all these, these grand plans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but the new plan is, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But for now, you know, nobody's really going on the road. And I have this gift of time to become a mother and be home with my family for a while, which was something I just never anticipated would even be a possibility for someone in my position. So it is interesting that, I mean, what a coincidence maybe, but that mm-hmm. there's a good chance you'll have at least the first few months now of yeah that, you know, your child life to, to be home and kind of in this completely altered state than you were planning on being in. Completely. I wonder if that's, you know, it's a gift, I guess, given to you that could be it very is. exciting. My friend, uh, Stephen Kellogg, who's another fantastic musician, he's opened a lot of shows for Sugarland. I was uh, FaceTiming with him earlier today. I'm going to join him tonight at one of his virtual shows. I he's saw doing. he's doing that. What yeah. a genius idea. He's incredible. I, mean, I was he's, trying to get him to get on the podcast, too, because he's, he's amazing. Just, an incredible person but he said to me today when we were just catching up he said you know there are a lot of gifts that are coming with this craziness with this time yeah and our challenge is going to be whether or not we can accept those gifts and so you know that really resonated with me and that's kind of how i'm reframing everything right now you know I love that. Yeah. I thought about that too. There there are so many it's a the whole covid situation is unfortunate. It's nobody expected it in a lot of ways it's terrible, but there are so many bright sides of it or at least lessons that we can all learn. Like yeah. I've been thinking more about this of we're all thinking about how do we go back to normal? How do we go back? And I think it's becoming more clear that I don't think we're going back. No, like we're not just, going back. <laughs> yeah, there's an iteration coming and there's evolution coming. And so, the, yeah. yeah. And like you said, part of that is, I love that, the, the gifts. Well, and for me, you know, I'm having to balance this all with, I'm, so I'm, I'm due in about five weeks uh, with my first child. And I've already been wrestling with the transformation of just becoming a mother and now uh, it's like the transformation of my livelihood (laughs) of everything that's happening it's like a super transformation and i am trying to imagine that i'm just gonna emerge as some kind of like insane giant butterfly (laughs) that's like (laughs) i don't even know you know it's just gonna be huge and wild and and colorful and and just completely changed from where i started nine months ago and then started two months ago with the onset of all of this you know changes are happening and uh i'm hoping to emerge as something beautiful on the other side. I like that. And I mean, I mean, at some point, I imagine you'll be back on the road. Don't know when, but some point. Yeah. And so is the plan to, to bring a little one with them? I mean, no matter what age they are at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the the plan, uh, you know, and that's what's just so, what's helped me, you know, through the years, especially just touring with other women. Uh, they've just been so aware and so sensitive to the needs of, of women. You know, being a touring musician, there's not a lot of women in my position, unfortunately. I'm working on changing that. Uh, but men in my position, no one ever asks them, like, oh, my gosh, you want to have kids? Like, but how are you going to go on tour and yeah. have a kid? <laughs> yeah, they would never ask I've that. I've been asked that question for the past 10, 15 years. You know, I mean, I started touring with Sugarland almost 15 years ago. And since then, you know, people have just been wondering, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? I don't know. Uh, and they would Marin, just ask that? I mean, just up front? Oh, yeah. I mean, people oh, wow. are... People are, you know, it's, I mean, and it's also something that I've wrestled with and would talk about with all my friends and family, you know, just like, how the heck am I going to do this? How is this possible? Um, 
And yeah, I mean, you know, it's there. There wasn't a clear answer, and until really I started touring with Marin, and she, she just was totally open and supportive and really gracious and wonderful about it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so that's so amazing. I mean, what an experience to bring, you know. Um, what a gift for both of you, you and, you know, I mean, your husband and, and your child, but like to, to have that experience with you and to, yeah. you know, that'll be some portion of, I don't know if they'll have any memory of it, but of the beginning for them and, oh yeah you know, how unique. I mean, not every child gets that experience. We in Sugarland, Little Big Town, did several tours opening for Sugarland and they're like one of my favorite bands of all time. And I was such a fan girl on those tours. Like <laughs> I would be like having to rush at, to get ready for our set because I'd been watching LBT the whole time when they'd be playing right before <laughs> us. I'm like, I gotta go backstage. I can't leave. But they, uh, they all had kids around the same time and they all brought their kids on the road and we got to live that with them. So they, oh, wow. you know, got to got to see their kids growing up together. And it was just a really cool experience because they each, it wasn't, I mean, Kimberly just had another, you know, baby adopted a baby about a year and a half ago, two years ago. But they were all just, each member had one kid. So it's not like they had siblings. They were each other's siblings. And it was just a really special, cool environment to to be around and to see people making it work, you know, making this touring life work with having a family. So they're a big example to all of us in country music, honestly, about making that happen. When you were thinking about, I mean, when you were working out with Marin about you maybe getting pregnant at the same time, is that something that was in the back of your mind of like established, oh, yeah. oh I've seen it work before? Uh, oh, you mean Little Big Town? Yeah, yeah, your yeah, experience Yeah, and with I them. think that was established in her mind, too. I mean, we had done some dates opening for them, and she has cited them, you know, as examples of how you can be an artist and have a family. And country music, you know, probably more than most genres, lends itself to that, you know, in, like, genres where you're dealing with, like, a pop tour where you're going overseas for months at a time, you know, you are literally touring 250 shows a year. Uh, in country music, first of all, sadly, there's not a ton of international touring, although I know Marin's <laughs> working hard to change that too. And we've uh, spent a lot of time in Europe, especially in Australia. And we got to go to South America with Niall Horn. But um Mostly you're here in the U.S. and you get on the bus Wednesday night at around midnight and uh, you drive and you wake up on Thursday and you play shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. And then you drive back to wherever you got on the bus, you know, at the parking lot and you wake up there Sunday morning and you're back home and you have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and all day Wednesday to be at home in Nashville you know, doing laundry, <laughs> maintaining <laughs> <up>. a marriage, <laughs> trying to do, <laughs> trying to do all that type of stuff. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a lot easier than a lot of different genres as far as being family friendly. So that helps a lot too. Speaking of marriage, so you and your husband met while you were, you were both touring as part of the Sugarland band? Yeah, we were the same audition. So we, oh. uh, yeah, uh, and that was back in 2006. And um, the way they held that audition is kind of the way most people do it, uh, at least in country music, where rather than, you know, just kind of throw darts at the wall and hope you get something, you just kind of assemble a small group of people for each position that you're looking for. I think they were maybe looking at four or five other bass players in addition to myself. And um, Thad was auditioning for the rhythm guitar uh, spot. And they, you know, just paired me up. I went to three callbacks and they tried me with three different drummers and, you know, just small uh, groups of folks. And yeah, he and I both ended up on the gig and we, uh, 
we were just good friends for a really long time and very slowly, very cautiously, <laughs> you know, tried to, uh, to see if it was a good idea for us to be in a relationship. And, um, but Jennifer, everyone around us knew way before we did that we really cared about each other. We actually honestly, like, didn't, weren't even really aware of it. <laughs> we just liked hanging out all the time and we were, we were just best buds. Time together. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and the way it kind of worked out was that at that point in time, the band was still based in Atlanta. So everyone else in the band was in Atlanta and Thad and I were the only two people in Nashville. So we would inevitably like ride to the airport together or be on a bus back together. And so it kind of gave us this special time that, you know, something blossomed. Yeah. But, yeah. So we'll be celebrating 10 years in next February, which is, we just had our nine year anniversary. So. Oh my gosh. Congrats. Pretty crazy. I know. So did you get married during the Sugarland tour then still? We did. We got married in 2000. Oh, I'm so bad at this. It was either 11 or 12. It must have been 2011. So basically, we dated for like three and a half years. And then I was annoyed for having been, you know, not engaged. And oh, so yeah. <laughs> put put the pressure on. You felt like it was time. Engagement story is actually pretty hilarious. But uh, so, yes, we got engaged. And then literally the day after we got engaged it was the sunday before christmas and the next day a monday we got our tour schedules for 2011 and we realized if we don't get married in the next like 60 days we're not going to have an opportunity to get married until like november of next year so that's some we pressure did. we got married 60 days to the day the proposed to me oh my gosh and, did yeah, you just and call the, the family and like hey we got to do this before yeah. we hit the road we everyone came it was so fun um what a blast yeah it was it was really cool and actually like so we we book a, a small little you know old house a victorian house in franklin tennessee where we're going to get married and we're just going to do everything there and then we i put down the deposit i do all this stuff and then i get another call from Sugarlands manager saying, "Hey, we booked a little European acoustic tour. It's like a week before your wedding, but I'm sure you're going to get back. It's not going to be a problem." Oh <laughs> and they just wanted me and Thad to go, and so it was me and Thad and Jennifer and Christian, and it was like our honeymoon. It was like a pre-moon, <laughs> so we <laughs> we went to Europe with them for about a week and did promo and. Um, you know, stayed in all these beautiful hotels and just had, a, it was really sweet. We had a really wonderful time. And I got back like four days before the wedding, which I was like DIYing everything myself. I had gone to Michael's Arts and Crafts and gotten all these leftover Christmas decorations on deep discounts and spray painted them different colors, you know, to work for <laughs> my <laughs> wedding. Like, yeah. I mean, we, we did it all on the super cheap, down quick and dirty. Um, but yeah, it was... It was a very sweet time. So when the when you mentioned Jennifer Nettles, lead singer of Sugarland, she had got pregnant, and then for the time being, the band was taken off the road, or I mean, the tour was you know yeah done. Um, that would have been the first point in your and Thad's relationship where you weren't on the road together, right? Yes, was that man. Like, you got home, you're like, well, get out of what? my head, Tim. Like, <laughs> yes. Things became very challenging at that point <laughs> because we had lived our entire relationship in the bubble of Sugarland. And then all of a sudden, at the end of 2012, including getting married, you know, I mean, everything oh, so I'm had thinking, existed. That's, that's a lot together. And you're just spending, you know, I think of this, I don't know if you ever watched that show, The Bachelor. Or the um, unfortunately, yes, I do. Uh, I'm <laughs> not I mean, caught spend... up on the recent ones, but yes. Yeah, I well, me either. I haven't watched in years. But that ben, concept ben of... Ben Higgins is ben Higgins. a friend. He's a personal friend, yeah. Really? Oh, well, mm -hmm. it feels like you should be watching it then. I know, I know. <laughs> so, but I mean, they spend all this time together... You know, in a kind of an unusual environment that, you know, is going to end at some point and then they all leave and then it's like, well, now what? I, I envision not that you were on The Bachelor or it was a similar experience, <laughs> but all of a sudden you and Thad get home and it's like, 
well, what are we going to do yeah. Monday? <laughs> well, it was a massive adjustment period. Uh, and we had to completely, well, first of all, we both were out of our job and our identity and everything that we had and were, you know, was yeah. like, okay, this chapter is now over. Um, but the, the biggest thing, and it took me a couple months to sort of get on the other side of it and realize it, was that I did have finally this sense of relief. And it occurred to me that I was a couple months on the other side of that gig having ended. And I was still okay. <laughs> and I was still me. And I hadn't realized sort of the fear and anxiety that I'd been carrying around for years of like, of knowing just like on the bachelor, like this is going to end <laughs> at yeah, some point. It's not permanent. It's not going to last forever and ever and ever. Um, and not really understanding how afraid I had been of it. And then thusly how relieved I was when it did end and everything was fine. <laughs> and I was still me and, you know, I, you, you life goes on and so that was a big lesson for me uh and then you know he and i had to go through a very pretty serious readjustment period of just figuring out how life worked without being in sugarland like without being on a bus together you know things that we hadn't realized for instance i would stay up till like three in the morning on the bus, usually with Scott Patton, the lead guitar player. <laughs> and we would just be, you know, watching TV, watching Family Guy or whatever, and just laughing and carrying on. And um, Thad would go to bed almost immediately after the show. And when we got back to life, we had to figure out like, well, what am I going to do? Am I just going to go to a bar by myself with my friends till 2am and you're just going to stay here? Like, you know, <laughs> and at first, yeah, that's what happened. I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and, um, and he had gone through a huge personal transformation. He had become a vegan and gotten into training for triathlon, Ironman races. He'd lost like 75 pounds. Wow. And so he's getting up at, and then, and then he started coaching people to do these races. So now he's getting up at 3.50 a.m. because he's teaching a 5 a.m. cycling class. Meanwhile, I'm coming home from a gig. You know, sometimes there'd be nights where I'd be driving back from, say, like a show in Atlanta, and I'd be pulling into the driveway as he would be backing out <laughs> to go teach his class. So we both had to find a way to get comfortable and meet in the middle as far as how we were going to do this. So the biggest adjustments I made were um, just really trying to schedule social time during the day as much as possible. Um, so just meeting friends for coffee and going on a hike rather than going to a bar <laughs> and making adjustments like that. And it's actually worked out really well. And, uh, you know, now – now we're kind of flip-flopping because me being pregnant, all I want to do is sleep. And now he's like up playing guitar super late. And, <laughs> you know, it's just like... Yeah, tables it, have it, turned. Seasons. 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 Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. It's great that you, you know, I feel like that scenario for a lot of people that that's a tough scenario. I mean, for any couple in any relationship to be intentional about making those adjustments and to be communicating back and forth about understanding what each other needs to make those adjustments. That's um, really great at that. Um, and honestly, you know, when we first, when we first met on Sugarland, he was recently divorced and, uh, I credit that experience for him I'm I'm so thankful, you know, that he went through that process. I think it has made him a, just a really incredible person and an incredible husband to me and it's given him so much perspective on how to navigate things and what's worth really getting into a a fight over and he uh 
he can apologize. I'm not great at apologizing. <laughs> uh, and I, it's funny, Brene Brown, her podcast, I listen to regularly and she has one right now on how to apologize and he's able to do it. Um, and that helps a ton. You know, he's, he's always growing and changing. And in the midst of this pandemic, he's thriving. <laughs> like he's, oh yeah, he's got his core routine as he calls it. Like he gets up every day at six 30 and he, he's gotten really into stoic philosophy. So he goes to his stoic thing that he does and he reads some philosophy and then he writes, he journals and the kind of stream of conscious writes an essay every morning, which then he reads to me when I get up at like nine 30. <laughs> uh, and, but I also go to bed at nine 30. So I'm getting pretty solid 12 hours there, which is, which is great. But you know, he does that and he'll get in some exercise and then we go for, you know, we'll go for a walk as a family with the dog. And, um, he's been able to use this time to really do a lot of the things that he hadn't had time to do, you know, and you see all these people on Instagram, like baking bread and like learning a new language and all these things. And you're like, yeah. who are these a-holes? And I'm like, oh, right. My husband, like <laughs> he's completely taken advantage of it. And, um, he's gotten super into playing the music of his childhood that he never had a chance to really learn. Like he's into all this, like, you know, hair metal and stuff right now. Uh, and it's been great because it's opened up a whole new level of his playing and creativity. And, uh, and he's just, he's having a ball. So he's been definitely a source of strength and inspiration for me during this time. And I feel very fortunate to have him as a partner. Oh, that's so great. I don't know if it was on your Facebook or somewhere. I was watching a video of you two recently uh, doing Master of Puppets from Metallica. Oh, he was yeah. on the guitar, <laughs> you were on the bass, and you know, you're, you know, a couple weeks out from giving birth, Pregnant and you two just rocking. Metallica yeah. is what I called that video. <laughs> yes. It was great. We've, we've got a new series we're starting called Made in America, and it's Iron Maiden songs. And <laughs> then he tells like... American history about the lyrics of the songs, even if the lyrics don't pertain anything at all to American history, which I you know, try interpretation. To... Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we're cooking up some more installments of Made in America. So keep an eye out for for those. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Very ridiculous. So was was family something um, always kind of a big part of your life? I mean, you know, obviously your immediate family, you and yeah. dad, and your coming uh new addition to the family but i mean like you know brothers sisters mom dad like oh, a tight-knit group man yes i am the oldest of god how many wendy joey austin and tyler so there's five of us and they're from various i'm the only one between my mom and my dad but um and then my dad and my mom both remarried and they each had two children and so i'm I'm the matriarch of the family and oh, like uh, I've been, I've been very fortunate in that, you know, my parents split up when I was very young, but they always remained really good friends. So my, my brothers who were twins that my dad has were always great friends with my brother that my mom had with my stepdad. So, you know, even like when hurricane Katrina happened, my mom took my dad's kids when we evacuated uh, and we all evacuated together because dad and my stepmom, they were out gigging, you know, nobody really understood the severity of, of what was going to happen. And so mom and I just took the twins and Joey and then what we thought would be a three day evacuation ended up being a months long, you know, exile and yeah. process. Um, so I've been really lucky. I mean, and both of those marriages that my parents were in have subsequently dissolved as well. But at at my Thanksgiving dinner at my mom's house, she has both of her ex-husbands there with their <laughs> significant others. Oh, and that's so nice. It's really, really cool. It's been a tremendous blessing for me 
Um, what a great example for you, too. Oh, it's I mean, an unbelievable not, example. Yeah, of, just that, yeah, that de- human well, decency. Yeah, I mean, it's like you lived this life together, and once you have a child, you are connected, even if you're not a family anymore. Like, you're, this is still happening. We're a different kind of family. Yeah, and yeah. so they have always been really great um, about setting their differences aside for, you know, what's best for hopefully the kids and and everyone. And so, yeah, I got to grow up seeing them as friends. And we uh, actually, we just had a a virtual baby shower on Saturday and uh, which is a whole nother experience, you know, being pregnant in the midst of all of this um, had to cancel the baby shower naturally, but I ended up having these virtual showers and I made these smaller groups of friends and my family And I just posted a video on my Instagram of like the highlights of the first eight minutes of my entire, like my mom and my dad and the ex step parents and everyone trying to log in to zoom. (laughs) And it is just total chaos and nobody knew what they were doing and it's hysterical. But even in that video, you can see like, my mom and my dad, their appreciation for each other, you know, over the the internet <laughs> in different parts of the city of New Orleans. Um, so it's it's pretty it's pretty special. I'm I'm very very fortunate to have a really awesome family. Yeah, that's just such a great, uh, like I said, a great example. I mean, there's so many stories of things going the other way, and oh, I yeah. love when yeah, like I said, it's, it's just a. Uh, human i say human decency but just that idea that like yeah we weren't meant to be together but like you said we are connected and we can be friends and have have lives you know we're all a part of each other's life still yeah exactly mm-hmm. you um i love this i was reading you had a blog you have a blog on your website yeah. com, but you uh had a couple different uh entries years back where you were kind of answering questions from people uh, i think that just wrote in and uh, you had this, um, you were explaining, you called it true work. And I think it was from a book you Ooh, read, yeah. but you were explaining this concept of like, you were kind of giving this advice to this person writing in about, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about you finding kind of this concept of true work and like what you were meant to do. And mm-hmm. once you find that, you can kind of build the path there and it all works out. I Yeah. I love I think, that. I think that was from Women Who Run With the Wolves, which is one of my favorite books that I've ever read. And I think we get so caught up in, you know, our work lives and what that means for our identities. And, you know, for me, my my true work, and I don't know, I'd have to go back and read the blog. I'm not, I don't remember everything I, I wrote in it, but, you know, I think, I think what, what people enjoy about me and, and my journey is they just see it's just like your podcast, you know, a, a normal person who's living in sort of these extraordinary circumstances <laughs> and sifting through it. And, um, you know, not, it's, I don't, I try not to get caught up in all the BS and stuff and just try to, to give a a human face to all of this and be authentic. And that is what has, you know, kept me going and, and drawn folks to me into my journey. And, uh, yeah, just, just trying to, trying to be, trying to be a good person, trying to be my, myself, you know, whatever that is, sort of that ongoing journey and experience. But, uh, yeah. I love how you, you early on kind of realized that you got such fulfillment on it. You call it being a side man, but like you didn't necessarily want to be the main act. You felt empowered and and really fulfilled in like being the supporting like i mean you're touring bassist you're supporting all sorts of acts to the point where i mean you formed your own band called side piece made up of other women that also support other bands and i just love that that um insight you had into yourself and like you know kind of you know because i mean the average person's like i want to be at the top in terms of like fame and you know i want to be the next taylor swift and but there's so many more ways and opportunities to be fulfilled Absolutely. I figured that out very early on and I'm very thankful 
that I did um, when I was going to college at the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Um, what was so great about that experience was having full license to try all different types of things, you know, musical experiments. If I was going to be drawn more to the studio or, you know, I had a band, I was writing and singing and, you know, I had so many different musical styles that I was able to try and so many different people that I, you know, would back up or work with. But what I found, and I always tell this to people, is I just paid careful attention to, you know, the feedback loop that I was getting. And inevitably, every time I would go and play as somebody's bassist, you know, every time I go out and support somebody, inevitably, somebody would come up to me after a show and be like, I want you to be in my band. I want you to work with me. And I was just getting an overwhelming amount of positive feedback in that role. And also having the, the, the experience of seeing friends that I had toured with, or, you know, had worked with or gone to school with at Berkeley graduate and go out into the world and just <laughs> bear witness to their struggles firsthand. It gave me the perspective of, man, I really want to do this. I want to play music. It makes me feel alive. But if I, I just, I don't want to be the person who has to be in charge of everything. It's just not, it's not what I want to do. It's I don't, not where you find the fun. No, I don't. Yeah. It's just not, it's not me. Um, and I think that's the nature of being a bassist too. You know, you can't, I mean, you can be a solo bassist, but <laughs> not my cup of tea, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> being a bassist, it just inevitably means you're automatically working with other people. And I find the most joy musically playing in bands with people and singing harmony. And that's what I want. I want as many people singing, oh my God, as many people singing as possible. To me, that's just the most powerful expression of music. Uh, and... I want to be a part of something, you know, I want to be a part of a team. I want to be a part of a group. And so for me, it, I, it was never about Annie Clements, the solo artist. And so I've always sought out ways to be in a band or, you know, if I'm not going to be a member of the band to be supporting an artist, you know, or a band who is just really great and, wonderful and is you know takes care of me too so I've been lucky that I've got to have both of those things and I've always um I've always tried to have lots of things going so you know even while I'm with someone like Marin I've still got the side piece band, you know, all these side men who were women and we were going out and gigging two nights a week downtown in Nashville and doing that too. And it, it all, it's, it just, you know, makes me feel so great. <laughs> and I, I've been sure. fortunate to where I can get on a gig like Marin or Sugarland. And then that affords me the ability to build these other things where, you know, I have a steady income coming in or I have, you know, a big gig to lean on and I can use that to leverage my creativity and time and efforts, you know, cause you do have a lot of downtime when you're on the road with these big bands, especially if you're not the artist, I'm not Marin. I don't have to do interviews all day long. I don't have to do meet and greets. I don't have to do all point. of these things that yeah. come along with it. So when you're a side man, you're, you're just kind of hanging out <laughs> on the side. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think I'd go crazy if I wasn't filling that time with, with other endeavors. Yeah, that's a great point. Being a side man, you don't have to do all the press mm -hmm. and the what some might it's consider less fun stuff. Pretty great. Good deal here. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. I I hesitate to ask this because it's so cliche, but 
I mean, here's what I think. If you, I love music and what you just said about uh, everyone singing together. I mean, Little Big Town, that's why I love Little Big Town. You got all four of them in harmony. I mean, even Sugarland, you know, with Christian and yeah. Jennifer and then, of course, yourself. And, and just the, nothing beats a bunch of people singing together at the same time. Nope. But if you are um, on the road and every night you're on stage having a blast doing what you love. But I mean... There's only so many songs. I mean, you have a set list and the tour is generally promoting something. So there's certain songs and all that. At some point, does it get like, not monotonous, but does it lose a little bit of that spark, like the longer you're on the tour? Or is every night just as magical as night one? Man, um, the tour is an evolution. And honestly, the the more we get to play the better we sound and by the time you get to the end of the tour if you go and listen back to those early shows versus where things have yeah. evolved to it is a completely different show and you know you find i mean some nights are, are better than others and definitely on a gig like sugarland or marin um you know you play the same set every night because there is a video wall behind you and you are beholden to that. Uh, stand by. I have to get my computer charger. Sorry, Thad went to get it for me. Thanks, oh, no problem. Babes. Hey, man. Can you help me <laughs> plug it in there? Yeah. Steli the dog is up here, too. What's the dog's name? Steli. Steli? Yeah. Thanks, babe. Like Stella, but Stella. Exactly. When we adopted her, her name, well, when we rescued her, her name was Stella, and we wanted to distance ourselves just a, a tick from that, so we changed it to Steli so that she wouldn't be totally confused. Um, <laughs> I like it. But yeah, um, so yes, there is, you're playing the same show for logistical reasons, but there is room within that show to make adjustments and for things to be more exciting. And particularly that comes from the audience. So, you know, the different audience every night and also knowing they haven't seen this show. And that's the biggest thing I carry with me on stage every night is going out and, and knowing these folks who have showed up have spent however much money They've had to hire babysitters. They've had to pay for parking. They've had to drive. Some of them, you know, drive two, three, four hours from wherever they live yeah. to come to the closest show that they can. And this is their shot. <laughs> and I have to honor that and give everything I've got for those people. And I always try to have, you know, one one moment a night where I just get totally overwhelmed by the music and kind of, I, I kind of get lost and sort of, it's almost like an out of body experience. And sometimes it happens, you know, early on and sometimes it doesn't happen until the very last note, you know, but that is, it inevitably happens. And that is a special moment for me that I count on and cherish. So I, I get one of those a show and I, I know that that's going to be there for me. And that always, that makes it special for me, makes every night special and different. Um, one thing that we did out with Jennifer on her solo tour, this was in, I guess, probably 2016. We, um, we decided to tackle Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. And it is literally, it is one of one of the things I am the most proud of having accomplished as a musician. Honestly, we spent a solid month as a band, everybody in dressing rooms with the piano, deciphering the harmony parts and figuring it all out. Everybody was all in. The crew was all in. Like, Everyone was, was rooting for us to make this happen. That's so awesome. And we did it. And we we did it. And and we and then once we we got it down, 
I would make everyone do what I call uh, dropping a boho bomb. <laughs> so like we'd be <laughs> walking to, you know, the store, walking around on the streets and I'd be like, all right, guys, here's our pitch reference. Bum, 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 bum. Is this the real life? And we'd all just bust <laughs> out into it. Like no matter where we were, we'd drop a boho bombs all over the America, you know, just like <laughs> it was so I mean, I have videos of us in the Redwood Forest dropping boho bombs on some hikers, just like <laughs> this is so exciting when you know you can just turn around to your your friends and be like, All right. Let's do this. <laughs> That's so, what I mean. Oh. It was awesome. And that type of stuff is just like that keeps it fresh and exciting. And when you're with a group of people that are all of the like mind and spirit, you know, it's you just can't beat it. It's awesome. And there's something too to, I mean, what a talented group too. I mean, Jennifer and I mean, you know, the whole Sugarland project and band is, is amazing, but there's something to. It, it's so great that folks like yourself and and all involved have that talent and they understand that and harness that and just share that with the world. I mean, Aww. you know, you all could be doing something different. Um, yeah, maybe you wouldn't be as fulfilled, but uh, I mean, I'm glad you're all fulfilled and you're changing. You know, I mean, I'm a firm believer music changes the world. I mean, there are. That's awesome. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I imagine, I'm sure, I don't know if you thought about this, but I mean, every show you're at, and Sugarland played some pretty big shows, so thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about the possible impact you had one night, let alone an entire tour, let alone, what, six years on a tour? Oh, yeah. I or, mean, I mean multiple tours. It is, it is a ripple effect, and it still carries on, you know, and especially now with technology, I... And during these times, I continuously get people posting, oh, I just got a, a memory from 2012 of, you know, oh, you and yeah. me backstage or whatever, you know, people are now getting these little like Easter eggs, these little reminders <laughs> uh, that they're finding. And, and I have, you know, I had, I've had students who were fans and, just young girls who are now going to college to be musicians themselves that I've gotten to mentor and, you know, be connected to their story and their family. And yeah, it, it goes on and on. It really does. And that was something that was really special about Sugarland was the appeal that that band has had to families. So many families would come to shows and it was something that, families could do together and really enjoy. And those memories remain for all of those families, for those people. And they're special for me too. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a ripple effect that, and that's the thing when I, you know, when things happen like this pandemic, uh, and the future is definitely a little uncertain and scary. I get to stand on the shoulders of everything that I've done. And I, uh, that's always going to be there. You know, it's going to be a part of, of my story and, and my life and no one can take that away from me. And, uh, and that's a big comfort to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I mean, there's so much more greatness to come, but what you've done already is just, uh, like I said, what, like you said, what a ripple effect for sure. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about how you and Thad met on tour that your engagement story was was uh, quite a story. <laughs> is that something you can share or yeah, is it something you no, don't want can, to share? I can happily share it with you. Um, so, okay, let's see. It's 2010. I've just turned 30 and I've been dating Thad for about three and a half years. And I'm starting to get very frustrated that we are not engaged. And I go home to New Orleans to play a big Christmas show with my family. And uh, my dad is a professional musician. So we go home to play the show. And at around like one in the morning, I see that I've missed a call from my very best friend. And I knew instantly she just got engaged. There's no way, there's no reason why she would be calling me at like 1 a.m., 
you know, unless you were something... confident that's what it was. Oh, I knew hundred yeah. percent. And when I checked the message, she'd gotten engaged. She got engaged. And she had only, you know, she'd been dating her boyfriend for like, you know, a couple of years, whatever. So I'm already like, <sighs> I'm, I'm rankled. So I wake up the next day and it's time for me to drive back to Nashville. And, you know, I kind of don't want to go back. I'm pissed. I'm like, man, I'll just stay here for Christmas. Like, what am I doing with my life? But driving back to Nashville, I get a call from my aunt to let me know that my cousin, who's my other best friend, also got engaged oh, that no. night to her boyfriend of about eight months uh, oh. <laughs> and over in England. That and must have so, really pushed yeah. the button. So then I then I'm just crying. I'm calling my mom. I'm halfway between, you know, I'm somewhere in Alabama. I don't even know where I am. And I'm just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And that morning before I had started my drive, I had called Thad and said, you know, when I get back, we need to have a very serious conversation about where we're going with all of this. And I had even told him, he said, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, you know what I want for Christmas. Like, I want oh. a wedding ring or an engagement ring. And he said, even in this, he's like, I don't think it's going to happen this Christmas. And I was pissed. So then I get the call from my aunt. And so then I call him, I'm crying. And his mother is at the house. She's going to spend Christmas with him. And Thad turns the phone away from his head and says to his mom, now her cousin just got engaged. And his mom starts laughing hysterically. And now I'm real mad. <laughs> so to explain to you how he proposed, I have to go back even further to the Sugarland Tour 2006. We're opening for Kenny Chesney. And somebody hacked into my debit account at a Walmart in Texas and drained my debit account, my, my, my bank account. And in the process oh. of switching over and getting a new card, um, the payment lapsed on my domain name. So like, I hadn't thought to set up a new card and it didn't renew. Yeah. And if you look back in the Kenny Chesney yearbook, he he does a yearbook every year on his tour. I was actually on the phone with the debit card company when they were taking the pictures. So I'm like halfway <laughs> hanging out of the picture on my phone, like really mad, you know, dealing with all this crap and everyone's smiling. It's like the yearbook <laughs> picture. Anyway, so I go through all this rigmarole and somebody buys AnnieClements.com out from under me when the payment lapses and tries to sell it back to me for like 200 bucks. And I'm pissed. Again, this is 2006. I'm so mad. And I refused to buy the site back. I had to change it to Annie Clements Music. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so now I'm driving to Nashville. It's many years later. <laughs> uh, I'm crying my eyes out. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I show up in the driveway of Thad's house. It's like 8 o'clock at night. And I go in the house, and his mom isn't there. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And he's like, she went to Barnes & Noble. I'm like, at 8 o'clock at night? Okay, whatever. He yeah. said, you want to get really <laughs> mad, you should go see what's on AnnieClements.com now. And so I'm thinking, someone bought my stupid website. And so I go, and I'm furious. I sit down at his kitchen table and I type in AnnieClements.com and up pops a picture of him and his dog and he's holding a wedding ring and says, will you marry us? Aww. And then I look over and he's on, you know, his knee and he's got the ring. And, but my, my knee jerk reaction was, I was still mad about the site. I was just like, <laughs> did you pay that asshole for this website? How much did you pay for this website? You know, meanwhile, who knows how much he's paid for the ring? You know, I'm just pissed about the site. And then he's like, uh, is that a yes? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll marry you. Okay, but but let's talk about this website because I really don't want to give that guy the satisfaction of, like, giving him the money for <laughs> the website he stole from me. So uh, it turned out that he had bought back the site several months ago. He managed to find it. You know, the guy had given up his efforts and he was able to get it for a reasonable rate. <laughs> and good. he had, thank God, gone ring shopping when I was out of town, when I'd gone home to visit my family and do this show. He and his brother had gone ring shopping. So he had a ring and he was going to wait until after Christmas. But once I got worried about my cousin... He knew, like, I got to do this right now. And in the picture, he's wearing the same clothes that he was wearing as he's on his knee next to me. Like, he would clearly, like, scrambled to like, put <laughs> to this all together. together right now. And then um, 
And then, you know, we texted the picture of the two of us together with the ring to the whole band and to our families. And then the next day we got the tour schedules for 2011 and realized we needed to get married immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> And we had, you know, having dated for so long already yeah. and also having lived on a tour bus together the entire time, you know, we felt pretty confident that we knew each other well enough and <laughs> that we could just go ahead and and tie the knot and jump the broomstick so we we did it <laughs> well coming up on yeah what 10 years i mean mm-hmm. that's amazing oh that yeah, is a good story that's that's a good story <laughs> <laughs> i need to find that picture in the kenny chesney yearbook of me on the phone like having an argument with somebody do you i, I mean do you stand out because you're clearly the only one that's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> in a good mood. i'm also on like a flip phone, you know, <laughs> from like 2006, <laughs> like, you know, whatever, ridiculous. Um, yeah, so that was that was how that's how it all came together. Oh my gosh, that's so great! I'm so happy for you. What a thank you. What a good, you know, uh, a great. St- I mean, a great story, but just uh, you know, looking at you and Thad and and how you, you know, man, you think about serendipity and just. You know, all the, sometimes I think about that, like you think about these amazing moments in our lives and then like all the crazy dominoes that had to fall just right oh, before that. that's all and it's I like, think about. Yeah. Tim. That's like. It blows my mind. I kind of obsess about it. I, but it also, like I was saying, you know, about as far as standing on the shoulders of my past, it's that same kind of line of thinking of all these things happened for a reason and they've all added up to something really incredible and I can now trust in that. I can trust even in this time that this is happening for a reason and it's opening up new paths that I don't even know about that are going to be so incredible and just just so different than what I had imagined. But I never imagined being in Sugarland. <laughs> I never imagined playing country music. I never, I mean... All those things were beyond beyond the scope of, of, of my imagination. And I now know, you know, I have I have great faith in that. That it's a it's a domino effect and one thing leads to another and it always ends up being pretty beautiful. So Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I share that so much. I share that so much. Yeah. There is some comfort in that, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. of it's a lot of hard work, it's a lot of intention. I read this Oh, it's some famous quote. It's not in any means uh, my original work. And it I forgot who it's by and exactly how it goes. But it's, um, what is it? Luck equals preparation plus opportunity. Meets opportunity. Meets opportunity. It's one of my favorite, one of my I favorite quotes. I love that. Absolutely. I've, I haven't thought about that quote in a long time, but that is, that was my mantra for many years preparation meets opportunity every and that's i mean that's basically what you got to have in the music industry to to make sure it. like you have to be prepared when the opportunity comes to take advantage of it and the sugarland thing just fell out of the sky for me but i was prepared and when i went into that audition i had learned all the background harmonies even though no one had asked me to do it and that was what sealed the deal. That was, you know, the thing that made me stand out and something that they needed in the band. And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. The, another one that I'm trying to remember it's, um, crisis. Okay. So in Japanese, the characters for crisis, I believe, and I'm I'll double check this, but I think it's, uh, danger and opportunity <laughs> are the two. It's Re- like, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. And so in a crisis, yes, there's danger, but there's also opportunity. Opportunity. And, uh, and that is something that I definitely, you know, you, you gotta, you have to be aware of that. And yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm seeking out those opportunities and being open and you know just just trying to be ready (laughs) (laughs) that's the best you can do right yeah yeah 
Oh my gosh. Annie, thank you so much for, for, I could chat with you forever. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for thinking of me and, uh, for having me on to chat with you. This is really great. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, rate and review us, and share this episode with a friend. Thanks.